0: You're listening to the Bonfire Podcast, fanning the flames of the gospel to the ends of the world. Come on, let's dive into the Word. Well, welcome to the Bonefire Podcast, everyone. We are glad that you are joining us for another episode. If you are a first-time listener or you haven't done so already, we would encourage you uh, to subscribe and download our content on a regular basis. You can do that by going to any of the podcast applications and cl- uh, clicking that subscribe button. What will happen is you will then get the content loaded to your phone each and every week when we release, uh, which is Sunday evenings at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So again, if you haven't done that, please do that. We'd also encourage you to go over to our Facebook page, Be sure to follow and like us on Facebook. Great opportunity there to find one of our episodes and to share that with your friends because that is what we always ask you to do. We need word of mouth. We need more people talking about Bonfire, uh, telling friends, telling family, telling coworkers uh, to check it out so that we can continue to grow our community. So uh, that's what we need is, is your word of mouth and your help. Well, this episode is going to be special. It's going to be different. Now, uh, many of you know that uh, my typical co-host is my father, uh, Pastor Reggie Parker, and uh, he is uh, currently recovering from surgery. We told you about that a couple episodes ago, and so surgery went well, and he's um, at home recovering. And so today, uh, on this episode, for the first time ever, we are going to have our first official guest host um, as part of the Bonefair podcast. So I'm excited. I think you'll enjoy uh, the co-host here. And uh, let me give you a little bit of uh, his resume. And these these are in no particular order, but these are just things that, that I wrote down when I think about our co-host. Well, our co-host today is an educator and administrator in the public uh, school system. Um, he is a track and cross-country coach and also state champion in that. Uh, he's a marathon runner. He's an avid Atlanta Braves fan and, and Falcon fan. He's a part-time barbecue pitmaster. He's a husband and, and father He's a podcaster uh, like myself. He's a, a fellow deacon. He's a Sunday school teacher. He's, in fact, my Sunday school teacher. He's a fantasy football icon. Uh, he's my friend, and he's my brother in Christ, uh, Jeremy Darby. Coach Darby,
1: how are we doing today? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for the—that was a heartfelt welcome. Yeah, man. Did I leave anything off? No, that was great. It's. It was. I was doing all I could over here not to burst out <laughs> laughing, especially with the fantasy football icon. That was, it was terrific. <laughs> that, that, that's but right. But I was league champion this year for our church. Just want to throw that out
0: there. Uh, so. Exactly. Yeah, that, that's that, right. I, I thought you were, were in the lead there. So I'm, I'm so glad that you were on uh, the Bonfire Podcast. Um, great to have you here. We are looking forward to our conversation today and again just thanks thanks for coming on you're, you're our first official guest like this is big time
1: well, that's a big honor and i'm a <laughs> i'm a huge fan of this podcast uh, for any of those listening i started my own podcast i was inspired to start my own podcast from listening to this podcast. So I'm thrilled to be the first ever guest host. I hope I do a great job.
0: Oh, yeah. You're, you're going to do great. You're
1: going to do great. So Jeremy, you, um, or sorry, should I call you Coach Darby? Uh, if That's kind of my podcast title, but you can call me Jeremy. That's okay. fine. Whatever comes naturally.
0: Okay. All right. Perfect. So uh, we'll go with Coach Darby for, for just a moment here. So uh, you mentioned that you started a podcast, and um, I've actually plugged that um, that podcast a couple times when you first were starting. It's been, uh, what, four months ago or so, I think, when you got started? Yeah, this was
1: probably back in February. February, okay. Yep.
0: yep. Um, so when you got started there, it's the Running With God podcast. Uh, can you tell our audience a little bit about your podcast? What, sure. What
1: you cover there? Well, the Running With God podcast, first of all, uh, don't be deceived by the title. It's not just for... For runners, um, but it does have a good bit to do about running. Um, running is a big part of my life. I've been a runner for well over 30 years at this point. I've done a lot of 5Ks, 10Ks, half marathons and marathons, um, coached runners at all levels, been very um, blessed to get to coach some wonderful young athletes that have uh, inspired me and hopefully I've inspired them as well. And I when I started my podcast, I thought, you know, it'd be great to start a podcast to look at what it looks like to be a Christ follower and kind of relate that back to the discipline and the commitment that it takes to be a runner because you can't just seasonably decide I'm going to be a runner. You know, it's something you put a lot of thought, a lot of heart and a lot of effort into. It becomes part of your everyday lifestyle. And as such, being a Christ follower is the same thing. It becomes part of who you are. So I, Um, decided to name the podcast The Running With God Podcast, and I kind of sometimes advertise it as a little bit of running, but a whole lot of God. And and that's yeah. kind of the central theme. So I would encourage anybody to check it out. Don't feel like you're not going to know what's going to be discussed if you if you don't run or if you don't recreationally jog or anything like that. I've got listeners that that are runners, but I've also got listeners that have never run a mile in their life and they still yeah. enjoy the podcast. And it's it's a whole lot of God's word. Awesome, awesome. And uh, tell our listeners where
0: they can can find you. Where
1: where can they get more information? Sure. So uh, the podcast, um, just uh, first and foremost, I do have a Facebook page, the Running With God podcast facebook page and that is a great uh page to visit because it will show you many of the platforms the podcast is found on at this point it's found on all of the major ones apple podcast google podcast um spotify um you can listen to it directly through spotify's platform called anchor and it's even available overseas on some of the european podcast channels like breaker and and others Um, uh, at this point it's pretty well spread out there and i would also encourage anybody that listens to it um, to send me an email. We've got an email address that I manage, um, and that is runningwithgodpodcast at gmail.com. All the time, I'm, I'm plugging that uh, email address, uh, trying to encourage my listeners to let me know who they are so so that I can get a, a gospel conversation started with them. And always, as a good gesture, I, I like to send out what I call swag packs. So if you want some free giveaways, send me an email at runningwithgodpodcast at gmail.com. I'd love to connect with you. You heard him,
0: folks. So uh, send that email. We'll get you a a swag pack Um, and definitely go over to that Facebook page. uh, Smash the like and follow button um, and and give him some some uh, virtual love there uh, through social media. And uh, be sure to check out an episode. So, uh, Jeremy, I'm, I'm a listener of your podcast, and so I've really enjoyed it. Um, I'm obviously not too much of a runner, but um, I definitely uh, enjoy the content that you're putting out there and appreciate your work uh, that you're doing there. You know, I was thinking uh, you have a tagline that kind of goes along with your podcast. Uh, share with our audience what that um, tagline is.
1: So my tagline is more than nominal Christianity. More than, more than I've nominal con- Christianity. I've considered my podcast to be a war on nominal Christianity.
0: Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, that's that's great. Uh, that's actually what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about nominal Christianity. And um, that's a term that, you know, I think many people probably have heard, but maybe they don't fully understand what it means. Uh, they, they may have just seen it in passing or heard it in passing. Some may have, have never heard the term at all, and so what I was hoping to do is I, I kind of view you um, as an expert in nominal Christianity, um, definitely someone who's passionate about it. And and sometimes uh, if, if we're not a, an expert, our passion can make up for what we, we we don't have in all the knowledge about a particular subject. And so if you could help and put into just the most simple form, how would you explain to our
1: listeners what nominal Christianity is? Sure. Well, I'll, I'll give you a good definition, a good church-going definition of what nominal Christianity is. Christianity is. Um, I've got nominal Christianity defined as churchgoers or religious people whose faith does not go very far beyond just being identified with a church or a Christian group or even a denomination. Typically, they're just Christians in name only. Um, Christ really doesn't have much of a bearing on their lives. Nominal uh, Christians are um, sometimes the people you see that attend church and they attend church functions. Not that there's anything wrong with that. That's that's definitely part of the Christian life. And they may even self-identify as Christians, but it just doesn't go any further than the label. Of being a Christian. Yeah. Um, they view religion primarily as kind of a social construct, and they don't really allow it to require very much of them in terms of morality or responsibility. And nominal Christians take a, what I call a minimalist approach to faith. Now, in the running world, a minimalist runner is the runner that likes to get out there and not wear a lot of clothes and wear the lightest running shoes they can possibly find. Yep. And in the same sense, Nominal Christians put on the thinnest veneer of Christianity that they can find, but otherwise they just keep living life the way they would have lived it as a sinner.
0: Yeah. So. And, you know, I think uh, that definition and really understanding it, if our listeners have never heard that before, if you really meditate on that and you begin to look around, you'll see that we are actually. Uh, we talk about a pandemic this last year, right? We've talked about the COVID nineteen pandemic, and if, if there's ever a pandemic uh, in today's church, I feel like nominal Christianity is it. I mean, yes, we've got a lot of different doctrinal issues that we got to, to worry with. We've got, you know, different factions and splinters that that go one direction or the other. Uh, but this kind of watered down, half in, half out. I uh, like the word thin veneer Christianity. Uh, just seems to be so prevalent today in, in, the, in the church, at least in the Church of America, uh, the church in America. And, and it's something that is a huge problem. I know that from uh, speaking with pastors, um, it, it is something that's on, on the top of mind. It's, it's something that they're concerned about because obviously as as a pastor, they want to see a congregation that is uh, dedicated to Christ. They want to see uh, people who are all in, uh, to use a Dabo Swinney term. Mm-hmm. Uh, they want to see people who are growing mm-hmm. And unfortunately, in so many churches, we're not seeing that. We're just seeing folks that show up, they participate um, in the different social functions. And yeah, they they use the Family Life Center, they play sports, um, they come to the the uh, watermelon slicing. Um, but really getting you know, much beyond that is so challenging, so challenging. Yeah. And so um, when I think about this and, and start trying to figure out why, you know, what's the why behind it? Uh, what's causing this? You have any thoughts about
1: what he feels driving this pandemic? I do. I've got a few thoughts, and I think what it com- comes down to is the modern church has made some mistakes when it comes to uh, new Christians in the church. Um, I, and, and I'm not by any means pointing fingers at the church or anything like that. I want to tread very lightly here. But I think if our listeners will really take a deep approach to looking at this, after that new family walks the aisle, after that. Christian, that that new brother or sister in Christ walks the aisle and says the prayer and counsels with the pastor. What is the modern church doing to actively disciple that new Christian beyond that? I feel like that's part of the place where we own a little bit of the problem and, and we drop the ball because we completely fail to disciple the new the new brother or sister in Christ. And I know and I'll speak from my own experience, I'm just as guilty of after seeing somebody received into the family of God, I go down to the front after the service, I shake their hand and I go home and eat lunch. Mm-hmm. You know, there's I yeah. don't there's there's I don't make any effort to disciple them. I don't make any effort to plug them into a Sunday school class unless they look like they belong to ours. Unless yeah. they look like yeah. they're in our age group. And I think that's where the church drops the ball. But I also think Part of our problem is part of our condition is we've never really evaluated Jesus's terms, and we've never really come to Him on His terms. And when you look at the words of Christ, He's got some pretty—I um, don't—I don't, I don't want to say well, I, maybe I do want to say it. He's got some pretty hardcore, stringent, black and white terms and there's not a lot of room for error and there's not a lot of room for wit there's not a lot of wiggle room maybe is the best way to say it yeah. i mean it's he he's very deliberate in in what it cost to be a disciple of him and I've, I've got some scripture that's kind of i guess maybe the cornerstone of the problem if if, if now's a good time to share yeah, if you're yeah, okay let's, with let's me sharing let's jump into it so this comes from luke chapter 14 and i'm going to be reading from verse 25 all the way through verse 30 and if i had to put a tagline on this uh, scripture the words of jesus um this is what i would call it i would call it the cost Of being a disciple. So starting at verse 25, it says a large crowd was following Jesus. He turned around and said to them, if you want to be my disciple, you must hate everyone else by comparison, your father, your mother, your wife, your children, your brothers, and your sisters. Yes, even your own life. Otherwise you cannot be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple but don't begin until you, and here's the big word, here's the big phrase, count the cost for who would begin construction on a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it. Otherwise you might complete only the foundation before running out of money. And then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's the person who started that building and could not afford to finish it. And if I had to identify one of the core problems is that we've, we've, attempted to follow Jesus without first counting the cost and ultimately we've started a building project that we don't really intend to finish mm-hmm. and 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 that we haven't really pumped the resources in to finish and maybe to some extent we're not even willing to finish it sure so i think that's part of the problem and i think it's a it's a problem of of failing to see Jesus's basic requirements for discipleship
0: yeah, so as you were saying that, you know, I'd wrote down a few things that, that I felt were were potential issues or uh, perpetuating factors uh, that give rise to nominal Christianity. And, and the first one I had is, it's easy, right? right? It doesn't require much, and that's kind of what you're talking about there is that there is a cost mm-hmm. of following Christ. And, um, you know, some may start with well intentions if, if they want to do that, but they, they get the first kind of pressure put on them. Um, of, of the cost. And then they say, well, I'm going to take this easier path and I'm, I'm going to back out of this. Um, or it could be just from the start. Someone's like, yeah, that's awful heavy stuff there. Um, and, and I'm just going to take this, this easy road of associating with, with church and, and saying I believe and saying I'm a Christian, but really not putting in the effort to make
1: the life change uh, that, that really is required to be a true disciple of Christ. Would you agree with that? I would. And what I would say to that point is when I look at the church today, I see both of uh, you just made a great illustration, and I see both of those illustrations represented in the church. I see people that appear to be working their absolute tails off. They're teaching Sunday school. They're if, if there's a sports ministry, they're at every game. They're speaking constantly. They're filling in wherever there's a need. But then, on the same note, you've got churchgoers that literally just show up one day a week, sit in the back row in the balcony may even take a nap during the sermon, and then you, know, you don't see them again for another six days. And that, that really de- is a definition of what their version of Christianity looks like. Yep. So if you're a nominal Christian, which path are you going to take? Well, I think it'd be human nature to take the one that doesn't seem to require very much of you. Yep. I mean, you, you've essentially um, you've, you've, you've come to the church, you've gained membership, and beyond the label, that's all you've done, yep. and 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 I think what I I want to be very careful to talk about is that um, those people those the other side that are that, that are working their tails off they would tell you that it's worth it you know and they, and yep. they would tell you that it doesn't feel like work yep. you know that that's the real thing and I want to yeah. be very careful there because you're seeing two different pictures you're seeing nominal Christians versus Christians who are truly Christ followers who are truly abiding in him and they're not begrudgingly doing those no. tasks they're they're compelled to do them um, it's kind of like receive we, joy absolutely you talked about um, one of those tasks being like getting in the word daily and it's not so much reading your Bible it's your Bible reading you yep. you know I yeah. mean so exactly <laughs> mm-hmm. exactly
0: the second thing that I had here and I want' to get your thoughts on is uh, you know the custom or the culture. Um, as as that seems to give rise to nominal Christianity, and the best way I can explain that is, you know, we're here right dead smack in the middle of the Bible Belt of um, of the United States uh, in South Carolina. Uh, I would argue that you know the upstate of South Carolina, where we're coming from right now, is probably the the very buckle of that belt uh, because there seems to be a church on every a single corner, and it, it is so much ingrained in our culture. Uh, as, as kind of this Christian Southern culture. And and sometimes what I see happening is a person will, uh, for lack of a better word, they'll live like hell, right? They'll, they'll have no intent of following God or doing the things of God. But then the moment when tragedy strikes or the moment when a loss happens, like of a loved one, it's immediate. Like they turn back on, on, on Jesus, on faith, on, mm-hmm. on church. Um, and it's just for that moment of time. It's, sure. it's, it's, they use it when it's useful to them. Absolutely. And um, speak to to me just for a moment. Do you see that as as a problem or, or something
1: that gives rise to it? I see that as a big problem, and I see that as a big. Uh, I've used the word abiding um, yep. problem because when I see somebody behave that way, I, I question whether or not they're abiding in Christ. Because I see more of a using Christ as this genie in a bottle. And, you know, when I need him, I need him, but I'm going to spend the rest of my time doing life my way, um, doing things the way, the the identity that I've set forward for myself. And I know that when we walk outside, we don't see golden calves, you know, we don't see statues to, to, to go worship, but don't be deceived. There, there are still idols in the world and, and maybe more cleverly disguised than they've ever been. And what I do see in our, southern Bible Belt Christian culture is that many Christians have been deceived by the idols that they've created for themselves. And what scares me the most is some people have even created an idol out of the image of Christ. They've put Christ in a pair of khakis. They've put him in a polo shirt. He's okay with a little bit of greed. He's okay with a little bit of sexual immorality. He's okay with a a little bit more of a loose lifestyle, if you will. And we got to be very careful there, because once you do that, you've created a Jesus that you're more comfortable with. Mm. And that's an idol. I mean, you can't sugarcoat it. That's an idol. When we attempt to soften the words of Jesus to fit our lifestyle, we essentially have created a cult within our own church, an idol of Jesus that just looks and acts a lot more like us. And as a Bible Belt Christian— I am daily convicted by Jesus. Jesus' words often step on my toes and reveal sin in my life. And if the Jesus that you're following doesn't periodically reveal sin in your life, you might want to really take a look at the Jesus you're serving. Is it a yeah. Jesus that is a biblical Jesus, a Jesus that you're abiding in, or is it a Jesus that you have morphed into an image of yourself? Because Jesus's image is supposed to be on us, not the other way around.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. So going back to this this. Culture thing, and and I I have to hit on this just because it's it's a pet peeve of mine. Now, I think I've said probably on the podcast before, you know, I'm not a country music fan, but country music seems to be the worst at kind of this association Christian culture. Um, and I'll give you the example, you know, you'll be in the midst of some award ceremony, whether it's whichever one it is, uh, it's got an acronym to it, uh, CMAs, AMC, something like that. And uh, they'll be just some of the most ungodly music that you've ever had. And then the very next one is, you know, a hymn that's mm-hmm. being sung by the same artist that just sang all those ungodly songs. Um, Absolutely. Or the same thing happens with records, right? So they'll they'll release two or three records and, and just some of the worst lyrics that you've ever heard that would, mm-hmm. would not even... Come close to speaking to the things of God and then cut a completely hymn uh, or, or Christian. Album and release that, and and to me that just kind of speaks back to that. It's our southern culture. We're Christians, yeah, but we still do all this other stuff. But because we're Southern it's our culture, we're Christians. Absolutely, and, and, and it just seems uh, that seems so nominal to me, mm-hmm. uh, so nominal Christian Christianity. And that happens outside of um, of of the South. You know, there there are definitely countries um, that have defined themselves as being Christian countries. The United States kind of used to be one of those. I won't say that we're we. Really define ourselves as that anymore. Uh, but because the, you live in this country, then you, you kind of assume that, oh, I, this is a Christian country. I'm a Christian kind of followed by the, those standards. Um, but just just saying that and using that name only or following some loose uh, standards is not what Christianity is all about. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that, that's not what what true uh, Christianity is all about. Um and Jeremy the other thing that I have here kind of written down is, is uh, causes or things that uh, give way to nominal Christianity is is kind of this uh, workspace salvation so you know some people are still caught up in the mind of uh, well yeah I may not follow all the tenets of Christianity and and, and and the die to self, but look at all this good stuff I'm doing and all these good deeds. And surely, you know, one day God's going to look at that and be like, ah, look at all that good things I did. Mm-hmm. And it just gives rise to, I feel, nominal Christianity, right? Because they're, they're relying more on works than they are the life change that comes
1: through the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. And I mean, just to that point, those works have a place and they're important, but I, I do believe they extend from abiding in Christ. And, and there's even verses that suggest that. This one comes from John chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. So uh, this is what it says, beginning in verse 1, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, He prunes it, so it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in in the vine so neither can you unless you abide in me in my opinion i'm looking at those words and i'm saying all right what what christ is telling me those works are going to naturally stem from me like fruit from a vine because i'm a because i'm a branch attached to the vine yep. but when you're a branch trying to to grow your own fruit apart from the vine it just goes back to other verses of scripture apart from apart from him you can do nothing you and i are going to fail as husbands we're going to fail as fathers, we're going to fail as as, as deacons, <laughs> we're going to fail as podcasters, we're going to fail if we're trying to do these works on our own apart from the body of Christ, apart from abiding in Christ. Those are things that naturally happen when we are in Him and He is in us. And yeah. I mean, I'd like, I, I think at this point, I'd like to really talk about the basic requirements for Jesus. These are, yeah. these are, these are entry level terms yeah, go, go. that Jesus talks to us about. Go I'm, I'm going to, I'm on, I'm going to go very quickly through uh, f- four books of the gospels, giving you one of each. So basic requirements for discipleship. All right. Once again, entry level <laughs> requirements for this rookie class, right? Novice level freshman, <laughs> if you will, in discipleship training right here. So Jesus requires superior love, superior love. This comes from Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. Did you hear all those ultimatums? I mean, I heard all three times, right? Not half, not a quarter, not leftovers, Don't love your wife and love your kids and love your family members and love your career and love your money and love your 401k and then give me the leftovers. No, no, no. It was all, all, and all. Everything. Yeah, superior love. And then he also requires exclusive loyalty. This comes from Luke chapter 14, verse 25 through 27. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus. I always love it, Matt, when large crowds are traveling with Jesus, because that's when he gave us the hardest of teachings, because he just had this talent for... I, and, and I've always heard, I've heard other pastors say this, like Jesus, Jesus obviously didn't go to some of our seminary, seminary schools that we have today mm-hmm. because he would have flunked out. Right. Yeah. He, he, anytime the crowds got large, he did something or said something to disperse the crowds. Yeah. <laughs> he, that's when he, he's, he said some of these that's things he,
0: that everyone's like, well, did he, just, did say he that? just say that? That's yeah, right. Like, really? And, and what, but what?
1: there's some of the most profound teaching of Jesus when he gets right to the point and he sees you know what? I got all these people here. Mm-hmm. They're not counting the cost. Let me give them a radical statement, and let's see who is willing to follow me. So here's one of those radical statements of Jesus from Luke chapter 14, verse 25. So once again, large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them. He said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross cannot be my disciple. Whoever, or whoever, I'm sorry, I misstated that. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Now, it's easy to look at the cross and soften the cross because today we're wearing crosses around our necks. Yep. We're putting crosses on our T-shirts. But this was, I mean, when we look at ancient history, this was a weapon of torture and execution. Sure, It would have been strange and bizarre yeah. in the times of Jesus to wear a cross around your neck. It would have been a, a lot like you and I wearing an electric chair necklace. Exactly. I mean, it's, it's bizarre. Yeah. So f- to say that, to essentially say that if you want to follow me, you got to be willing to hate your family. You got to be willing to pick up the instrument of your own destruction and carry it with me. And that's what it takes to follow me. That is superior loyalty, and I don't know about you, but I have to ask myself if I was in the crowd hearing those words, it didn't sound very promising. It didn't sound very positive. Yeah. I may have been one of the ones have been like, "Never mind." I don't know why I showed up on the scene. This yeah. guy, this guy's talking crazy. But that is exclusive loyalty, literally following someone to the grave.
0: Exactly. And I think what's important when he said that is, is to think about these crowds. So why were there large crowds? Well, they were there for two reasons. One, they wanted to see the miracles, right? Mm-hmm. They wanted to see the show. That's right. Uh, because Jesus had been known for doing, you know, healing people, uh, making people to be able to see again, healing the lame, uh, r- raising people from the dead. Like they were there for the wow factor, Absolutely. looking for the miracle.
1: And maybe, the, maybe even the free meal. Uh, right? And then the yeah. second is the free meal. You the got it there.
0: Yeah. I always like to say, you know, this crowd was there looking for the fish fry, yeah. right? Because they heard that, hey, he's able to produce all of this food. And and so he had this large following and that they were going with him. And and at face value, you would say, look at all of these loyal followers. And, and Jesus said, no, 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 no. You, you don't understand what loyalty looks like. Let me describe to you what, following christ following me looks like and that's when he would say that Mm -hmm. um to really give them an understanding of what it means to be a a follower of christ not just some uh, you know fan club that was traveled around just to to see the fun side of it to really see the nitty-gritty of what it means to follow christ
1: and this wasn't a metaphor i mean i think that's the big thing you can't confuse this for a metaphor and well these are just this is almost like parabolic teaching where, where, where he doesn't really mean what he's saying. No, he actually does mean what he's saying, because when he called his disciples, he called them literally right out of the boats. They yeah. just left their boats behind, left their spouses behind. We know Peter, um, yeah, Peter had a wife, right? Because yep. he had a mother-in-law, so exactly. he had to have a wife. So Peter walks away from his family sure. to, to follow Jesus. You know, Matthew walked away from his career as a tax collector. There's, you see people in Jesus's day follow those words to the T, and you have to put yourself in their shoes. Would that have been me? Would I have been willing to turn my back on potentially everything I knew as normal and comfortable to follow him? And thirdly, I believe Jesus requires a change in your priorities. Mm. Um, And I think that kind of goes without saying, but I want to talk about John chapter 4, verse 34. At this time, Jesus is famished, and the disciples are looking at him. He's been preaching all day. He's been healing people all day, and he literally has plowed right through mealtime, skipped a number of meals, and you can imagine this kind of sickly, skinny version of Jesus who's just at the point of breaking in exhaustion and exhaustion. The, and the disciples are saying, man, you need to eat something, Jesus. You know, you've been going at this all day. It's time to take a break. And here's what Jesus responds to them in John chapter 4, verse 34. He says, my food is to do the will of the one who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying that it's still four months until the harvest? I tell you to open your eyes and look at the fields right now. They are ripe for the harvest. Even now the one who reaps draws a wage in the harvest for a crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying one sows and another reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the the benefits of their labor. Jesus really, in these words, understood his mission, and he had a, a a grave sense of urgency. He knew that there were lost souls on the line, and it completely changed his priorities. One of the biggest compliments I'm going to, and I'm not, definitely not tooting my own horn, but one of the biggest compliments I ever got, I got about a month ago. I was in a bookstore. I was in the Christian section, and I was just checking out the new releases, right? And I had a young lady walk up to me, and she was very curious about the sex. She said, I'm, I'm a new Christian. Can you give me an example, or, or give me an idea of a good book to read to kind of complement my studies in the Word? I was just thrilled to talk to her. Yeah. So I, I looked for the book I was going to give her. Of course, it wasn't there. <laughs> so I had to, I had to look. I had to really look at, you know, think about. Okay, what's a good author for, you know, commentary? What's a good author for somebody a brand new Christian read? And we just got talking. We started talking about. Uh, a little bit of everything. I talked about my church. I wanted to make sure she had a church home, and she did. And I was, I was very um, encouraged to hear how she came uh, to be a Christ follower. She had a great testimony. And we, talk, we ended up talking about this podcast, the Bonefire Podcast, and my podcast. And fortunately enough, I had some cards in my pocket, I had some things I could give her so she could subscribe to our podcast. It was great to talk to her. And uh, towards the end of our conversation, she said, "So, so, um, she said, you, you know, it's been great to talk to you, Jeremy. Um, what church are you the pastor at?" Yeah. And I said, "I'm, I'm not a pastor." She mm-hmm. said, "You're not?" I said, "No, I'm, I'm actually a school principal." And she just looked at me for a minute and she said, "I would have never known that." She said, "You haven't mentioned that one time." Yeah. She said, "The way you've talked so passionately about your love for the Lord, I would have." Ne- it's obvious that that's more of a priority to you than your own career. And to me, Matt, that, I'll be honest with you, I'm going to come to tears saying that. That was the biggest compliment I've ever been given. Yeah, Because it was, it was a turning point in my life. Because I'll be honest with you, until that moment, I've been guilty of being defined by my career, by my own identity, yeah. an identity I I'd, I'd forged for myself. And that was a turning point for me because, and I got down on my knees that night and said, thank you, God. Thank you for helping me realize how minute and insignificant my career is when i'm standing before a holy god that yeah. has such a greater plan for me and i'm not diminishing my career at all it's it's a great privilege and a great honor to be able to educate children to principal of school and that kind of thing but god has so much more for me in that role than i could ever plan for myself and it was just such an honor to to receive that statement i hope that Any uh, conversation I have with anybody moving forward, that's exactly what they see in me. And that comes from a change in priorities. I haven't always had my priorities in that kind of order. I'm sure you would say the same.
0: 100%.
1: But it's great to finally say, you know what? I'm finally moving in the right direction. Christ has been at work so long in my life now that my priorities are finally changing to what they need to be. Yeah. And last but not least, last requirement for basic discipleship, and this might be the hardest one for anybody to hear, Jesus requires that we die to the life that we live. Uh, We have to die to our identities. We're so busy today. We're out there forging identities for ourselves. Many people are defined by their looks. Some are defined by their success, by their career, by athleticism, by their wealth. But Jesus says all of that. Every bit of it's rubbish. You have to die to that right now. That's why he uses so much language about being born again. Yeah. And in Galatians chapter two, verse twenty, Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. me. Yeah. And that to me is Paul. And, and and many of us that that know our Bible, we know we know Paul's complete turnaround. We we see that all of these characteristics represented in the life of Paul. Yeah. Paul was the the chief center of his time, persecuted, killed Christians, right? But we see in in Paul a changed life. We see him treating Jesus with superior love, superior loyalty, exclusive loyalty, a complete. Hundred eighty degree change in his priorities, and ultimately dying to who he was and becoming a new person in Jesus. And those are basic, minimal requirements of yeah. what it looks like to be a Christ follower.
0: That's right, and th- those aren't easy, right? And mm-hmm. so that's why that that alternate path is the path of ease, which goes down nominal Christianity. Um, but yeah, man, that that is that is great stuff there. And you're very right talking about uh, priority. Um, a, a story very similar to yours. You know, I, I spent a lot of my time uh, chasing the things of this world, uh, the things that ultimately are going to fade away. And and then, uh, you know, God got a hold of my heart and I changed my priorities. And I, now my focus is on the eternal. Uh, and, and that's where I put my time, my effort um, and uh, focus there. And it, it does change everything about you. And the story of, of being there in the bookstore, that, that's awesome. That's mm-hmm. awesome. That's, that's great. And that's, that's a whole another podcast. Cause I'd love to, to get into the conversation there about, uh, you know, people say the same thing to me. They're like, Hey, you, you need to be a pastor. And I'm, I, I find it kind of look at them kind of weird. And, and, uh, the problem is they just, they're not used to seeing Christians who are just so on fire that, this is what they do. This, is, this right. is what we're – all of us are supposed to look like this.
1: But on that same note, I think that points to the nominalism that has infiltrated our Christian culture. Yeah. Is because when you look and act and speak like that, people look at you and assume that you're a pastor, or you're a pastor in training, yeah. or you should have been a pastor, when in reality, these disciples that Jesus sent out to birth the church – were fishermen and tax collectors. They they weren't trained Pharisees. Jesus didn't go to the educational elite and say, hey, come help me build a new religion. He went to common, normal people like you and I, and he filled them with the Holy Spirit, they became on fire for the Lord, and suddenly they had the words to say, right? Yeah. Didn't we see a big change in the disciples after Jesus' death and resurrection? They were bolder sure. in their approach. They were they were on fire for the Lord, and they were willing to go to the grave for the sake of the gospel being spread across the known world.
0: That's exactly right. A, a few chapters in Acts, they go from huddled, scared for the life, inside of a room uh, thinking that they're going to be the next to be killed to going on probably one of the greatest uh, preaching campaigns, missionary campaigns that you've ever seen as we see the, the church being formed there in the book of Acts. And, and yeah, you're right. It's, it's amazing. Uh, once once the Spirit gets a hold of you and gets in you, uh, the, the change is going to occur. So this is great stuff, um, very good stuff. Another thing that I have here, Jeremy, that I want us to talk about is what is a nominal Christianity not? And and this was really something that just kind of bugged me as I was preparing um, and, and looking at the topic of nominal Christianity, and I saw a negative perspective where uh, people were saying that nominal Christianity is just a term that gets used by Christians who like to judge other people because they're not doing it the way that they do it and um, i want to be very clear here that 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 is not at all what we're saying. We're not saying that that they're just because you don't do church or Christianity the way that we do it that it's that it's wrong or that you're not doing enough. What we're saying here is that there should be a clear and evident change and there should be a clear and evident fruit that is in your presence if you're a true child of God and these nominal Christians uh, they don't possess that. It's, it's just it's, it's easy to see if there yeah. if there's no fruit, there's no root, and that's all we're saying. And that and it's not casting judgment. It's really just speaking truth. And to if you're going to say that you're a Christian, then your life should portray that of a Christian. And it's going to go through some of the things that you just spoke
1: about there. Right. And I'm gonna I'm gonna use this point to plug a book. Um, it's a great book. Read it recently. Um, and if you're if you find yourself today a Christian that just begrudgingly looks at the looks at things that that you perceive good christians as doing like reading the bible going to church being involved in a small group that kind of thing if and what i mean by begrudgingly is you just do it because to you it's just what christians do you don't really get any enjoyment from it it doesn't really mean anything to you it's just what you do or and what you've defined good christianity to look like but i read a book recently that was really good it was a great supplement uh, to God's Word, and there is no greater supplement than God's Word. God's Word is the ultimate uh, thing that we should be reading and basing our life on, because like we've said before, you can read it all you want, but it really reads you. Yep. But here's a great book from a, a pastor out in Las Vegas. I, I couldn't imagine what it would be like to be a pastor in <laughs> Las Vegas, Nevada. But his name's Vance Pittman. He wrote a book a few years ago called Unburdened. And the tagline is, stop living for Jesus so Jesus can live through you. And what he really goes through are um, how Christians can sometimes try to portray what they think Christianity looks like without fully understanding that Christianity is being a Christ follower is is an unburdened um, relationship that you have yeah. with Jesus. It so actually breaks the chains of some of these, yeah, it's freedom. And it breaks the chains of some of these cultural norms that we have that people don't seem to enjoy. And he really takes you through what it means to abide in, in, in the Lord, what it means to connect with other believers, because we were never supposed to do this alone, and what it means to disciple a, a world and a generation that doesn't know God. Um, and and, and that's, that's something that's important to grasp. And I just want to throw some research at you. That, and this, this, you, know, you may be listening to this podcast today. We may be stepping on some toes. I, I'm not really sure. But I, I do want to share something with you that's concerning. If you think that for a minute that nominal Christianity is a fable or a myth or a fairy tale, I'm just going to read some recent research that, that in my opinion, proves otherwise. This came from Lifeway Research 2020, so just last year, and this was very concerning when I read it. I had to read it two or three times to really let it sink in, but this research confirmed and revealed that 52% of Americans, so a little over half of the American population, and 30% of evangelical christians said that they believed jesus was just a good moral teacher mm. but was not god now, there's a lot of problems there first of all american this america despite all of its flaws still identifies as a predominantly christian nation yep and evangelical just the term evangelical means that you're going out and you're telling people about god you're telling people about the gospel of christ but then you're looking back at Christ, and when you answer a question on a survey, you say he's just a good moral teacher. Yeah, I find that people that say that don't even have a clue what he said or what he did, because good right. moral teachers don't proclaim to be God. They don't proclaim to forgive sin. They don't say, "Eat my flesh and drink my blood, and you'll be <laughs> saved." Yeah. So that's just concerning to me. I mean, that to me that points to all sorts of problems in the system yeah. of of Christianity today, or or how people identify with Christianity. So if if you're looking at your Christian life, and and this is what I would say to those, you know, I need a I need a pulse check. Am I a nominal Christianity or, or Christian, or am I am I not? Well, is is your Christian life defined by check boxes? Right. Yep. You gave your tithes. Check. I went to church today. Check. I was late for Sunday school, but I was there, so I'm gonna give myself a check for that. Yeah. I participated in VBS. Check. Maybe I even work in the sound booth. Check. You're just checking boxes, but there's really no piece to the relationship there. And, and all those boxes you checked, I, I guarantee you there was something in there you didn't want to do. You mm. did it begrudgingly. Yeah. Whereas a Christian, a Christ follower, follows Jesus and is compelled to do these things naturally because he's so filled with Jesus that it just naturally flows out of him like a spring. Yeah. It's, you an, know? it's an overflowing, right? Yeah. You know, yeah.
0: the, the good works and the things that we do is not. Uh, we're not doing that to get saved. We're doing it because we are saved, and right. and just the the joy and the gratitude that we have for Christ is what overflows into into that. And yeah. so, you know, Jeremy, you kind of started down the the path of this fourth bullet here, and that is again, how do you know or how do you identify a nominal Christianity? Um, and so, for our listeners, it, it's a test that you can apply to yourself, but it's also can, you can attest that you can apply to. To, to others and, and maybe even ministries or churches if you're just trying to figure out what's going on here. But we're called Christians, right? And and then that is obviously Christ. And so the, the number one way that I feel like to really understand if if you're nominal or not is really looking at your knowledge and relationship with Christ. That's the best way to define it, at least in my, my book. And Jeremy, I'll get your opinion on this as well. So here's a quick uh, test, some questions here that I thought about that would be helpful in determining whether you are nominal or not. The first question I come up with was how— Real has God been to you this past week? How real? And, and can you feel God's presence? do you do you know that God's there? Can you see God working? If you say, well, I went to church and and I checked all those boxes, but no, i don't I don't feel the presence of God. Then that may be a, a symptom or sign there that there's some nominal Christianity going on. The second question is how clear and vivid is the forgiveness of of God and the and the loving, uh, fatherly love that He provides to you. Can you feel it? Do, do you feel loved? Even when you may not have anyone around you that can say, loves me on this world, you feel love because you have the love of the Heavenly Father coming towards you. You feel it in your in your soul. If you can't say that you feel that, then you may be nominal. The, the third one here, which we've already talked about a little bit, is about the Scripture. So is the Scripture alive and active? When you read God's Word, does it seem as if the words are jumping off the page and, and you're like, oh man, I, I've read that verse maybe a hundred times, but I've never seen it the way that I saw it today. Does it feel like the scripture is reading you, not you reading the scripture is what I like to say there. Then if, if you can't say that's the case, then you may be nominal. <laughs> are you reading the scripture at all? I, I find it so sad that the number of Christians who they have a Bible, and again, here in the Bible Belt, we probably have multiple Bibles in our house. I'd say the average household has at least two to three. But sometimes we never open them.
1: That's right.
0: Right? I mean, if you if you if uh, if your storage location for your Bible is the trunk of your car, that way that you can get it out for Sunday and then you just put it back and then you know it'll be there uh, next Sunday when you go to church, mm-hmm. then that's a problem. You need to be reading the Word. Get it in there and let it read you. And then number five here and and this one – or sorry, number four here – is uh, are you finding that God's grace is more glorious and moving than it has in the past? Are you Do you have this awareness day by day that, man, if it wasn't for the grace of God, I would surely be in a world of trouble? That, that's part of understanding and growing as a Christian, is to understand just how bad we are as people and, and just how good God is for saving us out of where we are. And if you can't say that you understand that that you've got this progression of understanding grace, then you may be nominal. That's
1: right. And I would also give just an additional illustration, and this one just kind of popped in my head as you were talking just now. But you know, when when we're talking about the church and how the church relates back to a holy God, He always related it to marriage. You know, the church yep. is the is the um, bride, and God is the groom, right? Right? Or Christ is the groom, and um. Think about it from a marriage perspective. When when you're abiding in um, your spouse, aren't you spending time with her? Aren't mm. you communicating with her? Yep. Aren't you going out for date nights, raising kids with her, cooking and eating meals together? You're consumed in time spent with each other, time spent building a relationship. And on my podcast, I've used this analogy before. I've been married now for over 15 years, and I'm more close to my wife now, 15 years later, than I was on the day I married her. I love her more, I cherish her more, yep. and I know her more. I've I've matured in that relationship. So I want to take you through a, a little exercise, and I want to I want you to imagine what. My wedding day would have been like, I'm going to use my wife's name Katie or my wife's name Katie, when I do this illustration. I want want everybody to imagine what my wedding day may have looked like if I completely rewrite the vows to describe what a nominal marriage would look like. So let's change nominal Christianity right now to nominal marriage. Let's see what a nominal marriage commitment would look like through the terms of wedding vows. So if I would have looked at her on our wedding day, had the pastor right there, We're getting ready to go through the vows, getting ready to seal the deal and be married, right? What if, what if, how would have, let me ask you this man. how would it have gone if this is what my vows would have been like? Katie, today I'm pledging to be your husband. And here's how I'm going to, here's how it's going to look. Every Sunday morning, I'm going to come see you for an hour. Okay. Unless there's a ball game on or the weather's bad, or I just feel like sleeping in. But other than that, you can count on me every week to be there for that one hour. And Katie, I love you so much that one night a week, I may even have a group of people over at the house and feed them a meal. And we may invite you to come along. Now, we're not going to spend much more time together than just that, unless I need something. And if I need something, I'll call you. And not only when I'll call you, I'll encourage my friends to call you too, if they need something. Um, So I hope that doesn't bother you. And by the way, if I do tell you I need something, I need it like right now. Thanks for being my wife, Katie. And I, I mean, do you think that would have flown on my wedding day?
0: I, I don't think it would have flown and and I know Katie and she's feisty, so yeah, you would have been in a world of trouble. Yeah,
1: she would have left me at the altar, right? <laughs> she may have even she may have even taken the best man to be be her husband after a vows like that, but that's right. I'm telling you, that's exactly how many Christians today yeah. have said their vows to Christ. That's that's exactly what they're doing. It's it's not requiring anything of them. And how are you supposed to grow like that? How is the relationship supposed to mature? How's it supposed to be deeper? I don't know about you, but I feel empty if I go to work and I haven't gotten in God's word. You know, yeah, I feel I, I feel empty. Okay. I, I feel like my day has been started on the completely wrong foot. Yep. And and I know there's I'm gonna be honest, I know there's things in the Bible that are difficult to navigate. Um, when you're getting into lineage and Deuteronomy and things like that, that's hard reading, right? Yeah. But that's that's exactly why we're encouraged to fellowship with one another, just like you and I are doing right now. We're coming together. We're discussing God's word. Yeah, there's a great opportunity for me to learn something from you, for you to reveal something to me in God's word that I didn't see for myself, for me to do that for you. And we're, we're in a great modern age where there are some things accessible on our fingertips, such as commentary from other pastors, from other believers to help us navigate some of the difficult passages of God's word. And that's yeah. where I get a lot. I mean, when, when we're getting into if we're talking specifically about just getting into God's word, I get such a thrill out of having this commentary opened right beside God's word. And I'm digging into both resources at the same time and I'm drawing new meeting and I'm feeling the Lord speak to me. And the next thing I know, I've been in it for 30 minutes and it's felt like 30 seconds and that's, that's what it looks like. So if that, if I didn't just describe what your Bible study life looks like right now, you might be nominal because I'm so, uh, so on fire for looking through God's word in that way. I can't wait to get to it. It's a it's a huge component of my day. And I never feel like there's enough time. It's yeah. it's not a checkbox. It's not all right, I got 10 minutes in this morning. I'm gonna go to work and it's good. If that were to happen, it'd be like, man, I only had 10 minutes yeah. in the word. I'm gonna have to make this a priority when I get home from work.
0: That's exactly right. Yeah. If it doesn't happen, I feel ill prepared for the day. Yeah. And I and I could probably probably tell you that if I didn't spend time in prayer and reading, then there's going to be something the devil's going to throw something something at me during that day, and I'm going to be ill prepared for it, and I'm probably going to to react with the flesh, right? Because you know, as as a Christian, yes, we have uh, died to self, yes, we are a new creation, but we still have that old flesh, uh, sinful nature in us, and if you're not careful. Uh, that'll come out. And so I always like to say, you got to wake up the new man before that old fleshly man gets up and and that way that you're well prepared for the day. So yeah, that, that's exactly right. Well, uh, Jeremy, we're almost out of time here. So I'm, I'm going to kind of bring us to a close as as we get ready to wrap up this episode. Um, some of our listeners may be wondering, okay, you've told me what it is. You told me where it comes from, or maybe what are some of the causes and, and how to identify, but what do I do about it? What do I do about it? And so um, when I think about our our situation of our churches, um, and, and the church as a whole, I always like to go to Revelations, mm-hmm. and because in the book of Revelation, uh, we we see that Jesus is actually speaking to these various churches, and these churches uh, that he's speaking to largely represent what we're seeing in the church, right? Even right, right now to this day, and so in Revelation chapter three, we have two churches that are spoke about. There's the church at Sardis. And then there's a church at Laodicea, the church at Sardis is the, referred to as the dead church. Okay, the church at Laodicea is referred to as the lukewarm church. I think that either one of these really can can capture what's happening with nominal Christianity, because we've kind of talked about there's kind of a couple paths of nominal Christianity. There's there yeah we're we're, we're saved but we're just not all in. That would probably be that lukewarmness that spoke about in in, in the church of Laodicea. And then there's the, we just decided to take the the easiest road possible group, and that's probably the dead church. Listen to what Jesus says uh, here in in, uh, Revelation chapter 3. It says, And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things say he who has the seven spirits of God and and the seven stars. I know your works, that you have a name that you are alive, but you were dead. So he's saying, hey, I know you, yet you're putting it on, you're, you're showing face that you're this, that you're Christian by name only, but you're really dead. And so here's what he what Jesus says to them. It says, remember, therefore, how you received and heard. Okay, so you know, you know, the message of the gospel, you've, obviously heard it, received it at some point, decided to take some action upon it, but you haven't gone all the way, and you're just playing church, basically, is what Jesus is saying here. And here's what he says do. He says that you are to hold fast and repent and repent. So, what do we do about a nominal Christianity? If you identify yourself as nominal, you you figured out, you know what, guys, you you stomped on my toes today. Uh, you're right. I've I've been nominal. I've been half in, half out. I've been lukewarm. Uh, both to the Church of Sardis and the Laodicea, the 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 guidance given from Jesus Himself was to repent, to fall on your face and say, God, I'm sorry. I you know I, I've identified that I haven't been living the Christian life the way that you intended it to and i'm ready i'm I want to count the cost i want to i want to go all in i want to put everything in to following you i want to put the priority right that we've talked about i want to give you loyalty and love i'm going to love you like i love nothing else and uh, and once you do that you go in repentance and say god i'm sorry for for where i've been kind of living this half half truth if you will uh, god is faithful and just to forgive that's john First John one nine uh, one of my favorite verses in the in the Bible that hey if you just go and you confess it he is just to forgive and remove all that unrighteousness so I would encourage our listeners today if you've given that assessment to yourself and you identified that you're nominal uh, take it to take it to God. And uh, cast at his feet, ask for forgiveness, repent, turn. Remember that word repent? We get a whole episode on it. Repent's not just saying, I'm sorry. Repent is, I'm sorry, in a change of direction. I'm going to do different here going forward. Uh, that's the way that we come out of nominal Christianity. And then, once you're, you're not nominal, your job is to get on fire and go and find as many people as you can and say, Hey, I'm burning. Let me catch you on fire as well. Let's do this together. And when we finally can get there and do that, we may actually see um, a true revival breakout in this country, uh, and, and we we so desperately need it. So, uh, Jeremy, thank you for joining me on the podcast. I really had a great time having you on. Um, I, I'd encourage all of our listeners to go check out the Running With God podcast. Uh, follow him on Facebook. Go over uh, to subscribe on the podcast application. Send him an email. Uh, do all those things to show him some support and love. And, uh, Jeremy, you're in the co-host seat, and so i got to do what I always do. Pray us out of here.
1: Yes, sir. Thank you for having me, too, Matt. No problem. Father God, we thank you today for the opportunity to come together and study your word. I thank you for everyone that's listening to this podcast. I hope it's been an encouragement for them today. I hope it has exposed sin. I hope it has revealed your will. I, I pray that that you've used us as empty vessels to, to spread your word and fill us with your ho- Holy Spirit so it overflows into our listening audience today. Father God, I just pray for each and every one that might be listening. I don't know their situations. I don't know what their trials are, what their struggles are. But I know that you know, and I know that you care intimately about each and every one of them, Father God. And you desire for them to be abiding in you. If they're not, if they are abiding in you, um, I pray that you'll continue to strengthen that relationship, Father God. I pray that if there are nominal things about their Christian walk, that you would expose those, Father God, so that so that they might, uh, as Matt described just a second, go they might fall on their face they may pray to you and repent um, from that sin and and be over overflowed with your goodness and your grace and your mercy. Father God, and that, and that they will surrender and that we all will surrender these terrible uh, identities that, that we've tried to create for ourselves. They're, they're, that are just not who we were meant to be, Father God, that we'll surrender those, we'll lay those at your feet and say, fill us up, God, fill us up with your Holy Spirit. Please show us who we were meant to be. Please empty us of our wills for our life and instead reveal your will to our life so that we might truly follow you on your terms so that we might know what true discipleship looks like and father god i just pray for this ministry this podcast in our churches now more than ever to just be on fire for you not to soften your words but to learn from your hard teachings and to follow those so that we might continue we might go out into a lost world and share that gospel that 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 gospel that has the ability Power to save lives before it's too late, Father God. And we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for your mercy um, and for your grace and, and most of all, for your goodness. And it's in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Bonfire Podcast. We encourage you to subscribe wherever you stream your podcast content. Also, be sure to rate us on iTunes and Facebook so that others will know about the podcast. If you have a question that you'd like to see us address on an episode, feel free to email us at bonefireministries at gmail.com.